Welcome to The Last Supper, a weekly podcast featuring emergent and established artists, gallerists, curators and collectors in Asia. Hello, I'm your podcast host Oscar Van Huys, a Dutch Korean entrepreneur and artist based on Lama Island in Hong Kong. In this week's episode, I sat down with gallerist Rachel Lee, owner of Saluna in Hong Kong. Rachel began our conversation by sharing a story where her interest in art came from, her journey of becoming a gallerist owner, and we end the conversation with the paradox of beauty. I like to emphasize that this weekly podcast is entirely free. However, each weekly episode requires enormous personal resources, so I'm asking you a very simple favor. If you enjoyed this podcast, please ensure you subscribe to this podcast channel and share this podcast with your colleagues or friends. Without your support, this podcast would not be possible. And before we begin, I'd like to mention that the Last Supper podcast is supported by the Hong Kong Art Gallery Association, a member-based non-profit organization of established local and international art galleries in Hong Kong. Hello, Rachel. Thank you for inviting me to your gallery. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Since this is a podcast and listeners can't see where we are, I typically begin asking to describe the space that we are in. How would you describe your gallery space here in Hong Kong? This place located in Shangwan. Shangwan is a very historical area in Hong Kong. If you walk around near my gallery, you will see a lot of beautiful um, antique gallery and some of in fact some of the new um, young gallery opening up this street too so the gallery space itself the building i think it built in 1970s so we have two floor we're sitting on a second floor that has a beautiful like um i would say retro like old tile from 1970 which is green color it has its unique like atmosphere and like when I first when it came into this gallery, I really loved this space because yeah it has this very unique feeling that kept it with a uh, old tile and even the window you see here, it's very uh, unique. They said it's from 1970 Hong Kong style. I really like how he kept the original floor tiles in this mezzanine area. But let's talk a little bit more about your art background and your interest in art. So the first question I have for you is about your interest in art. You studied fine arts in Korea, and I'm really curious what got you interested in art. What can you tell me about where your interest in art came from? Um, come to think of it, I actually, yeah, I... Since I was really young, I, you know, I, I just loved drawing and I'm making things and I was always good at like, like making craft and anything has to do with hands and drawings and I, I really loved it. Um, so yeah, I, I was attending you know, those small art classes and then uh, I remember one uh, picture that like I was coming back home from my um, my middle school, so grade, let's say American way, grade seven. I was coming home and I saw one lady taking picture with two foreigner. I'm talking about 1980s, <laughs> and and back then it was very unusual scene because 
I saw a beautiful like abstract painting that was blue. And then she was taking picture with two foreigners. And then it was right next to my house. So I came home and I said to my mom, and mom, I really want to go there because it's really cool. I really want to do art. So the journey started from there. But actually, my mom also was in a, a fashion industry. She had her own fabs and design team and all that. So ever since I was really young, I always been really like into beautiful stuff or beautiful things. And not only that, I think that I always had not just drawing or painting, but always have this kind of I would say philosophical questions like why is like the sun goes this way and like all these kind of questions. I guess it's normal for everybody, but I think that's very artistic kind of questions. Yeah, I, my dream was becoming a painter, like pure painter. I had no other way but just becoming a painter. Yeah. What about your experience studying in Korea? Did you enjoy your art study? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, like I was really into painting and I really enjoyed it and I was pretty good at it. And then my academic score was also pretty good. And I remember my teacher said, oh, you should not go to Hongik University, you should go to Iwa, which is so easy for, let's say, Korean woman getting in and, oh, you can have like good marriage, good life. Why are you going to Hongik? It's so bad. Like it's like, it's a troublesome. I said, no way, I want to be a painter. So I went into the school with a lot of hopes. And of course, um, yeah, there's hope, but you realize that you know, art school is, um, is not give all the answer right away. Of course, it's difficult. And I think that my 20, just like anybody else, I had so much questions. So when I went into school, I was not sure if this is what really I wanted to do. I mean, not that I didn't like painting but the whole like way of learning things I should be careful about what I said about my school but anyway like I was quite like oh this is not what I was expecting so I went to New York when I was 19 for two years telling my mom that I'm gonna be a fashion designer <laughs> which was not <laughs> Because my mom at the time says, no way, New York is so dangerous, you're not going anywhere. I said, mom, you know, you want me to be, uh, you know, doing something for you and this, this. I mean, I, I didn't have any plan to be a fashion designer, but I really wanted to get out of Korea and then go to New York. So I went to New York. Yeah, I had a good time, but it was quite different. But it was exciting because it's really different education system and I was young so it was really fun to meet a lot of different students and friends from all over the world. So you went to New York during your studies in Korea or was this afterwards that you moved to the US? Well, I didn't finish. It was my uh, soap premiere, and then I, I actually thought I'm gonna think about it and whether I want to stay in the states or come back. Um, yeah, but then uh, something happened during the time, which we call IMF. I don't know if you are familiar with IMF. 
It's a national monetary fund. So that time, the Korea economy is bad. And then that was when my life has kind of shifted around. Because that was the time that I realized, oh, I need to make money <laughs> and make a living, right? Because like my parents' business started to kind of struggle. And then my father was sick. So my mom says, oh, you know, you need to come back and, you know, just help me. Yeah, and then I came back. Um, here and there, in my 20s, was very um, good, but at the same time, a lot of struggle, like, to figure out between art and make living and then finding a new way of, like, figuring out my future. Just like anybody else, like in your twenties, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, but I think that that time I had few jobs here and there, and yeah, everybody struggle when you're twenty, right? Twenty or thirty. So I guess at that time I had a lot of questions to myself, the situations, and also, of course, as a young art students. You're not sure what you can do, and there are so many questions. So I guess I was not so brave enough to continue, but I just said, oh, I want to make a living so that I will secure my future. So I actually worked in a venture investing company for four years, which is strange because it's a very different industry. Um, yeah, so I stopped working there for four, more than four years. Uh, at the same time, I, I was attending also graduate school. I know it's a long story short, like it's so many things happening in the same time, but that was quite ex interesting experience because not like art, um, working in a company, they give you salary every month, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I took another like a part-time job here and there, so of course there is time that I also get salary. But working for a company like permanently is is quite a um, secure feeling because they give you salary every month, and then they will tell you, oh, this is good, oh, this is bad. So it's very clear. Not like art, you don't get feedback like that, right? You, you get feedback somehow from somewhere, but you're not sure whether they're just being nice and saying like, oh, this is great. But business world is like, they talk about numbers and you know, monies and you know, performances. And so it was a very different experience. Let's move forward and make a bit of a jump and go from your studies to a key moment in your professional career. I think around 2017, you were hosting and organizing shows to promote Korean art and artists in the US. And in particular, I would like to talk about the exhibition you had at the Philadelphia Museum of Art Craft Show. Oh, 2017 is like, it's a totally different era from what I was telling you just now. But I mean, I moved to Hong Kong 2004 at the first time. And then I moved back to Korea for a few years, and I came back in 2014. So this living in Hong Kong for me is my, I'll say, third time. But in between, I lived in 
not lived in, but I travel and stay in different cities. So when I first moved to New York, that time was for me to curious about outer world, like, oh, what's there? Like, what's the Western education? What's the Western culture? I would say 2017, I'm much older. <laughs> and then also, I realize I travel so many places. I realize I kind of miss my home or miss my people. And I realize I want to go inward, like, oh, what's really define myself and how I you know, live and how I think, where it's coming from. And that was my questions. And, and I become a mother and I was thinking, what kind of value and what kind of things that I can share and show it to them. And especially Hong Kong is a very interesting city because you can see all kind of Asian, at the same time, all kind of you know, human beings like from everywhere, right? So it's great, but at the same time, you wanted to define yourself from all the differences. And at least in my case, I was curious about why we live this way and why we think this way, why we express this way. And then I wanted to kind of like study about it. So start with Korean artists. I came up with a concept that uh, I want to not only painter, I mean, okay, to long story short, like I started showing different art exhibitions, but then to communicate about the contemporary artists, I had to know more about the depth of what are those philosophy and the idea of the artists, where they had this idea and what uh, all this thinking is coming from, right? You could say, oh, you know, they, they have creative idea, you can mix up this, 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 but somehow our thinking, our expression, our way of doing things, somehow it influenced with our, let's say, language and customs and all kind of elements in life. So I thought that I had to like study about traditional kind of craft, traditional like history and that all I didn't really pay attention to when I was younger. So I was very amazed by all this beautiful craftsmanship in Korea. So that's when I started studying about it. Yeah, and then like I had some friends and talked about this and then somehow I wanted to show some of the Korean craftsmen to US and then there is a museum Philadelphia Museum of Art they had a international fair every year and then they invited Korea so I talked to one of the very famous craft curator in Korea and then we said okay let's bring some Korean artists there and then have a show you have been exposed to many different cultures and art forms because you have lived in several different countries outside of Korea if you reflect on Korean arts, do you think it is possible to signify what Korean art is? And if so, what makes it so appealing to you? Yeah, I mean, of course, I would say, yeah, they do. But Chinese has their own style. Japan has own style. American has own style. It's like their 
language or their personality, their color, their location of the country. It's like their time and space. There's a particular color and even air, even the color of sky or color of sunshine. It's all different. So I, I do believe that um, each of us has unique color, not just by country, but, you know. You've been raising the awareness of Korean art for many years, so I would like to hear your perspective on this because of your close involvement in Korean art and, of course, the fact that you are from Korea yourself. To me, it appears that there is more exposure to Korean art now than ever before here in Hong Kong. So I wonder if that is a bias that I have or if there is indeed more attention on Korean art. What is your viewpoint on this? Um, many people ask me, like, why there are so many Korean artists everywhere and this? And even, like, uh, besides K-pop, they ask me, like, oh, in Art Central and Art Basel, there are so many Korean artists. I didn't realize until I moved here, because in the States, I saw a lot of artists and art school institutions. I grew up with a lot of great artists. I grew up with a lot of, like, a huge art ecosystem people like critics and curators Korean people always uh, complain each other that it's not enough and they're like they need to like you know government need to support and they should recognize and you know realize artists like they're always they have their very strong voice on how they need to support art and they need yeah but everything starts with the idea and the love of not only art, but just appreciation of the beauty of life. That's just how I say it. Like, Korean art is not just happened within a few years or a few decades. It's just always there, and there's a lot of enthusiasm in, among the, not only artists, but just even ordinary people, they appreciate music, dance, and nature, and whatever you call, like, form of art. Living and working between mostly Hong Kong and Korea, how would you describe the current state of art in Hong Kong? I think Hong Kong also has a quite, like, number of art community. Although it's not super internationally well-known, I, I strongly believe there is. But I will say the city has built and developed in a very commercial and financial focus. So even the number of art school and the art gallery is quite limited. But I know that there is like a local art community, especially now they are really working hard to supporting each other here. Of course, I think that Hong Kong is a very hard city to even have your own space. So artist needs space and artist needs studio to paint, right? So it's a different kind of environment. If Hong Kong is such a demanding and challenging environment, why have you decided to start and begin an art gallery in Hong Kong and not Seoul? Well, it's simple. It's because I moved here because of the family. And 
you know, you just make best out of whatever the situation is. And because it's maybe harder, it's more challenging. And <laughs> it's like, you know, I do what I can do and I do what I love. I kept questioning myself, oh, why are you doing this? It's so typical and this, this, this. And I mean, like all the questions or all the excuses, at the end of the day, I, I always think, listen, Rachel, like you choose this because you love it. And when you love it, it's not always sweet. It comes with full package of all kind of difficulty, but that's just how you do things, right? <laughs> so, yeah. I always find it really fascinating to hear how people decide to begin a new business, especially in a new foreign city. So what can you tell me about the decision-making process of your gallery here in Hong Kong? What was driving this decision and what was the reason to open a new art gallery? Actually, it's very complicated, long story. So before I start a gallery and even have a concept of opening a gallery, I set up the, another business called Soluna Living. That's right before like gallery, thinking that I would like to introduce different craftsmanship in the category of basic necessity of life, living. So I put even the name Soluna actually is sun and moon, right? So the philosophy was I would like to study about not only Korean but where I am now, Hong Kong or China or like the whole Asia. My idea somehow coming from this whole deep history of Asian philosophy and culture and so I put together all this study together and then but then I realized I'm not really into the business right so I set it up and then that business Soluna Living actually I do it in Korea I mean I set it up but then my team is there and then they are supporting all the craftsmanship in Korea which is doing good I think it has very important meaning to it, but I realize making that business into the global, like international level, it needs another hard work. While I'm here, to be honest, like I studied as a painter, I love painting and I still have huge art on it. So I say, you see upstairs here, we have some craft work, but then mainly downstairs I do have paintings. So when I decide to open up the gallery, I wasn't sure, but I just did it because, you know, I, because I was very uh, ignorant. <laughs> Sometimes if you know so well and then you know all these finance, PNL, all these numbers and you can't do it. You just got to do it. <laughs> so I, looking back, I had a lot of question and doubt, but at the same time, I knew this is what I love. And I knew that I don't want to regret 30 years from now and thinking, oh, I should have done that. So I said, let's just do it. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, that's how I started. You make it sound so effortless, Rachel, going as a teenager from Seoul to New York, grappling with life's questions, holding multiple roles, including raising three kids, and opening an art gallery without experience. 
So is it fair to say that you enjoy or you're not afraid to taking risks? Yeah, I mean, come to think of it, I think that the time that I went to New York and then like there are few decisions that I made, it wasn't really planned well, like even how I met my husband. <laughs> like, there's a lot of things in life that you cannot always plan. Yeah, that's also, I guess, is in my character that I just do things that I like to do, <laughs> you know? Well. Where do you think you got this entrepreneurial streak from? and this kind of adaptation to new situations? Um, it's hard to uh, analyze, but I guess my parents are entrepreneurs and they started from their own hands. And then I saw how, how they went through so much and it was, I have a huge respect. And I think that that time in Korea, everybody worked very hard and then, you know, like, probably know that everybody, most of Korean people in 60, 70 was hard, right? And then growing up, I've seen so much uh, social political changes. So I knew that you know, sometimes you can plan, sometimes you cannot plan, but when you have trust, something that you love or something that you believe, you just work it out, figure it out, you know? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, but doesn't mean that you have to stop even dreaming or stop studying. Like you have to just create something. You mentioned Selena Living, and I didn't realize that you began this before the art gallery. So you began Saluna Living before you started Saluna Arts, or how did your art concept develop? So actually, I start curating works and then having bring some Korean artists to art fair and then exhibitions before Saluna Living. My husband has been working in a corporate for a long time, which was base stable. But then there's a time that he also kind of had to find a new job. So there's a time that he was not working. So I thought, oh. I would do something and then let's just start something more exciting and of course I had no idea about number but I knew that this is a very interesting concept. So again, like Suluna means sun and moon. We live life with all kind of materials and things, even a cup or plates and all these things is actually is made by people. So I thought, oh, Art isn't just about creating a painting. Life itself is an art, and I want to embrace and really just share the beauty of how human craftsmanship from lifestyle to whole concept of living. So I set it up as like four category, which is in Korean say, 의식 주행, means clothing, eating, living, and traveling. That was the concept of Saluna Living. By the sound of it, you have really big ambitions for Saluna to develop this into an all-encompassing concept. 
I know you have the living, Saluna living and the Saluna art. How are the other Saluna concepts progressing? Concept is concept. <laughs> the business is also like you need... Uh, yeah, concept is great. And I think that people, I would say in Korea, they really appreciate the craftsmanship now. And there is a huge movement going on. So recently we had a great show and then in Korea you may heard about Loewe Foundation. They have been supporting all the craftsmanship all over the world. So they had a huge exhibition in Seoul Museum of Craft which just opened a few years ago and they had a big show. 30 finalists from all over the world came and so one of the artists who won the final she was making a beautiful base made out of the horse tail. She is from Saluna. <laughs> Throughout your career, craftsmanship appears to have played a central role in how you curate and select the work that is on display in your gallery here in Hong Kong. What is craftsmanship or artisanship to you? And what can you tell me about its significance when you collaborate with artists? I think craftsmanship plays a very important role in our life. And, you know, we live in a very um, materialistic world with mega production from factory and all that. As things are so much like clothing and all the things that we buy and consume is a lot. But I would say there is a meaning in it, especially these work of craftsmanship. And it may not be a great business, but I think <laughs> each craftsman that makes some beautiful works, not just aesthetically beautiful, they have all different kind of philosophy and aesthetics and personality. And that also, I would say, is the same kind of, yeah, it's the same as painting. Painting is a two-dimensional. Craftsman is three-dimensional. They put their heart on it. They put their trust. They put their philosophy. They put their whole artistic vision into it. So I don't think it's so much different, although like some people may think that craftsmanship is just remain as something to make things for some kind of purpose or like meaning, but it's just form of art. Looking at your extensive career in art, how would you describe your curatorial choice that you developed over the years? It's difficult to say because there are works that I choose or I share and then decide with the team or they work with like my team and other people recommend. But I think that Suluna was starting with idea that I like to kind of embrace and support Asian artists. I mean, not that I am trying to just limit ourselves like just Asian artists, but the whole world talks about Western art. <laughs> and I wanted to kind of share the idea of what this Asian artist is trying to voice their own story. 
and um, especially the works that I am interested in now is something that I would say more it's not traditional but I'm saying that those kind of works that has some sort of like alignment in between the past present and the future so it's within us that define like how I am, like who we are. So different portfolio, but most of works that I really love is something that makes me connected to my own universe and, or our universe, like how we define our time and space, how we define our beauty, how we define our nature, some sort of that kind of philosophical question that I we have and some people may say oh the works look so you know cliche like why you like this kind of work but maybe I'm a little bit older than when I was younger and the works that I even making when I was as a young artist it was more of my expression like I draw my idea into the world so it was inner to outer like ah but then now I like the work that brings me in and then when you look at a lot of postmodern to contemporary all the current major works are very in your face and very like like trying to convince you with their like great ideas and concept I just wanted to find those works that not too much big story or big idea, but just like the works that the artist puts the time in it, and so I can really be in it. And the works that connect you more deeply. We spoke about the increased exposure of Korean art in general, including Korean arts. As a Korean person who is now based here in Hong Kong, I am more aware of your Korean roots and behaviors, habits, and in particular Korean attitudes. You know, it's funny because when I was in Korea, I always define myself that I'm different. Like, oh, you know, maybe that brought me to different places and I was all curious. And also, at the same time, I was not happy why, let's say, men do this and women do this and like this, this, and then oh, why we have to, like, you know, follow that rules and this, this. But still, certain things I don't agree, but of course, certain things I see differently from when I was younger. Even the artworks that I probably have chosen when I was younger could be different from what I choose now. There is a beauty that is, let's say, instant beauty, that is like, oh, it's exciting beauty, or it's like, wow, it's shocking beauty, or wow, it's so sensational ideas. And right now, I think that those very, you could say artistic and creative, but also you could be like very shocking ideas. It's, it's also very special, but I guess right now, I, I like the works that kind of, you can feel that time that the artist gone through it's like you can feel the artist really puts their breathing 
they put their breath into it. So it's just you can feel to get into that alignment of beauty. You go through like a lot of tough time and this time and that time, but you can see through those from the works that is like wow. You know, you see it, you feel it like wow. <laughs> you know, like those kind of works that has a special therapeutic power. As I get older, I see the beauty of those works. Let's talk about the current show, "The Paradox of Beauty" by the hyperrealist painter Jong Myung Jo. You have a wonderful collection of oil on canvas paintings, and maybe let's look at this one on the wall next to us. What can you tell about this painting? The artist, her name is Jong Myung Jo. Um, she's actually old friends of mine. I met her when I was. 16. So, you know, like I, earlier, I said I saw this young painter with abstract painting taking picture. That was next to my house. So that was when I was like 12 or 13 or something. And then when I become 15, I realized to get into the best art school in Korea, I need to move to another academic. So I grabbed my bag and I went to school searching by myself. Actually, and then I went into this art school where her ex-husband was her boyfriend. It's a complicated story, but anyway. So, so getting to the university, you have to do this watercolor, still life watercolor, and she was making this beautiful cloth with the watercolor, and I was like, "Wow, what a technique! It's beautiful, and it's." very transparent but it was very smooth so I was like wow that's a very nice painting so I start attending that art class so she is I've known her for more than 30 years oh I should not talk about my days but anyway <laughs> so yeah she was my teacher and she was always very into very realistic painting her painting is very hyper-realistic works and it's very traditional which um, as you see it's like the traditional uh, Korean lady with traditional hanbok which is a Korean costume right so her style is simply like you can see it's a, the back side of the lady with the Korean traditional hanbok and the painting, as you see, mainly is a black background. Looks a little bit curious, or depends how you think it can be a little bit, I would say, mysterious, or some people say, or oh, scary. Or <laughs> but all the detail you see is absolutely stunning and so detailed, and you can almost feel like all different material of accessory and fabric and it looks almost more real than real right yeah so she has been creating this series called paradox of beauty so what she's trying to communicate with us is that simply as you hear the name of the series paradox of beauty it's beautiful and you can simply says oh this is a beautiful korean lady 
and the Korean lady is wearing this very traditional clothes that has unique pattern and color. So what this means is that all these ladies from mainly Joseon Dynasty, when we had a Confucius system, which means that the society built in a very hierarchical frame that we have classes so that different class only can wear different garments, I mean clothes. So you can see some of the queen and royal class lady and the novel class and then some of these ladies that more playful dresses which is the class we call kiseng. They're like the entertainment playing music or entertaining the male at that time. My initial response when looking at the paintings and titled The Paradox of Beauty was that the works with the very elegant dresses and traditional Korean hanbok were maybe not female because you can't actually see their faces. Uh, maybe, maybe you're right. It's a trick, yeah. But that's also a good, uh, good suggestion. I mean, she's, uh, you know, the reason why she doesn't paint the face, the front side of the face, is because when you say beauty or someone is beautiful, you know, simply you're thinking about their face or their body. But she's suggesting the back of the woman without face, but just focusing on what they're wearing and what they're carrying. Clothing, you know, it has a lot of function. Of course, human wear clothing just to keep our body, but also it can be social frames and structures and what you call culture. Or when you look at this lady, she has a massive hairdo with a lot of decoration, accessories and jewelries and very colorful gown that is for the royal wedding. So you see like not only the color but also pattern they use has a particular meaning and only certain pattern you can use at different level. It's uh, quite a complicated story that she's trying to suggest but simply you can say what she's trying to bring it here is that oh it's beautiful but how we define beauty what define beauty and when you say it's beautiful what's the meaning in it and also in that garment they have a lot of those patterns that means like prosperity and power and all kind of like a traditional kind of symbol in it. So that's also gather all this desire of human nature, of long life or great power or all those kind of things. You refer to many symbols in the work. Can you speak more about the significance of these symbols and colors in her oil paintings? Yeah, like you see this dress has that dragon symbol on her shoulder. So those dragon only can be used for king and queen. And then you also see phoenix that is also only for queen. And then even the hairdo, you, you see different you know, dragon shape 
that only can be allowed to the queen or loyal class. And what can you explain about her working method and practice? Is she, for example, using models to create her body of work? I actually was the first model for her like long time ago. She one day called me like, hey, can you come and be my uh, model? And so she borrows those garments from different places. Like sometimes she collaborate with a professional like um, professor or like this artist who makes traditional garment. Usually she gets those gown, I mean the garment, and then she uh, she asks model to wear it and then she take picture and then she she draw and she paints. Let's discuss one more piece of her work that's behind us. It's in a similar style, but instead of a dark black background, this one has a white one. Can you explain what we are looking at? This painting behind of us is actually, there's a famous painter named Shin Yun-bok, and then he created this painting called Mindo. Min means beautiful lady. So it's also created by male painter. And then mainly in Joseon Dynasty, painter, even painter is only allowed for like mainly men and also literature or calligraphy, even learning language, I mean the Chinese language or literature is allowed for many men. So she puts those together, so she puts those traditional painting and then she locates her own ladies in it. And then especially in this case, it's a, not a nob- noble class lady, but it's more like Kiseng ladies whose dress are more playful and you see their hairstyle it's also different because those novel or royal class lady they have to follow very distinctive frame or rules of even hairdo or dresses while this kissing lady they can play around their dresses and the, the color they can choose and is more playful this is the very first time I see Jong Myung Jo's work in Hong Kong, and I'm not too familiar with her other work. What struck me was that all these models and paintings appear to be female. Has she considered to use male models and characters? Well, I actually asked her, like, hey, any plan for you to draw, like, and paint a male, like, same style? She's, like, laughing, and she goes, oh... I don't think so. Like, why? Why not? Because woman is beautiful. <laughs> I don't know. Like she said that the dress and then everything is more... I guess she's just joking. But I mean, like, as you see, she's not just talking about woman is beautiful. She's adding a lot of question into, like, the concept of beauty and, and the whole cultural kind of, like, structure and all that. So... I think for her, she finds the woman model or figure is more suitable for her own story that she's trying to kind of communicate. The Paradox of Beauty opened a few weeks ago on the 16th of September. And I recommend everyone to visit because I really enjoyed how the works have been displayed and the significance behind it. If people want to see her work, 
when does this show end? So the exhibition is until October 25th. We have arrived at the end of our conversation, Rachel. So my last question to you is, if you were to have your last supper, which artist would you invite and why? <laughs> Does it have to be one person? I don't know if I want to invite artists, but <laughs> it's a very difficult question to a gallerist. <laughs> it's like very, I have to be very careful, but... There are many, but also I like their work and their journey as an artist. Oh, I know. I want to invite my mom. <laughs> no, just joking. But if I can rewind the time, there's one person I want to invite. Maybe Namjoon Park? Why not? Because right? he's a very interesting person. Or... I met a lot of artists, but then if I have to choose one, it's a typical question. Thank you so much for your time today, Rachel, and I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation soon again. Sure, sure, sure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode with gallerist Rachel Lee of Soluna in Hong Kong. That's it for this episode of The Last Supper. I already mentioned this at the beginning of this podcast, but in order to continue to offer episodes for free, we will need your support. Simply subscribe to this podcast, give it a star rating, leave a comment or share it with people who you think benefit as well from listening to this weekly podcast about art in Asia. You can find more information on my Instagram at thelastsupper.asia and on my website www.oscarvenhuis.com. And before I go, if you have any further questions or suggestions, feel free to message me on my email. And don't worry if you don't have a pen and paper to write it all down because I will post all the links, references of my guest and my contact email in this podcast description as well. <laughs>